heard from. Lord, we just pray that as we contemplate your word today, that it would go forth and, and do a work in our lives, each of us, that uh, we would better our relationship with you. Lord, we bring before you other needs of, of our body this morning. We think of those who are mourning the, the loss of Bonnie Wingy. Lord, we just uh, pray that you near to that family, and uh, Lord, that you bring us the comfort and peace in their life. Pray for those who need healing, particularly we think of little Paul today. Lord, that you would just work in his life and, and uh, bring healing there, and the, the treatments would, would do their work, and doctors and those administering that would, would have wisdom. The Lord would just lift them up and, and the rest of the family too, that they would be encouraged by your spirit today. Lord, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here, the freedom that we enjoy in our country to worship you as we, as we please. And Lord, we just uh, pray that that freedom would be preserved as we look forward. And so, Lord, we just uh, commit to you our time now. Bless Alex as he, as he speaks from your word. And, and, Lord, that you would just, uh, your blessings would be on the remainder of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Before we look at our passage today, I just want to remind us again of the Rekindle Conference, which is coming up March 21st. Today's the 8th, if I'm correct. And so, what is that, two weeks? So that's coming up. Uh, we purchased where like the, anyone from church can go for free. Um, and so there's some great topics. I know some people in the past have gone, so if that's something you'd be interested in, uh, I'm, I'll be going, so I'll see you there, and it'll be a good time. But let's get down to business, right? Who here has chickens? Or has had chickens? Right? You have chickens for kind of one purpose. Why? The eggs, right? I mean, we do everything for those chickens to get those eggs. We build them a coop. We build them laying hens. We give them a heating lamp. Uh, we've got wood chips generously provided by the Trams Wood Shop. Uh, you give them water. You give them food. Make sure they're all good. And then they're supposed to give you eggs, right? You invest this, and you're supposed to get eggs. And the keyword is supposed to, right? So with Casey and I, we had our six chickens, and we were getting like one or two eggs a day, not bad and whatnot. But then one chicken somehow got injured and died, and then our eggs stopped. So apparently this one chicken was doing all the work, was pulling the load. But it was like, you know what, we are investing all this, and these other freeloaders are just running around. And it's kind of frustrating, right? It's kind of uh, that same dynamic. We had that in uh, work, right? You do your job. You do it well. You have a great relationship with your boss. You're very kind with your coworkers. Uh, you work hard, and you expect the paycheck. That's how it works. You do A, there's consequences for B. School, you invest the time. You study. You ask the hard questions. You have the priorities right, and then you do good at school. Uh, same thing with um, relationships. Marriage, you invest in your marriage, spend time with each other. You work hard. You work through conflict, and the result is most typically a good, godly marriage. Farming, right? 
You put in tomato seeds and you expect to get tomatoes, right? Or who said corn? Does someone say corn over here? <laughs> and that's kind of what we're talking about today is we reap what we sow. Kind of what Mike kindly read for us. We reap what we sow. And we expect that in our lives. Uh, parenting. If, you, if you're a parent, you probably know this proverb. This proverb 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do A, and most often B will occur. Our actions have natural consequences. And we see that everywhere. It's a, it's a law that governs our life. Um, kind of like physical laws, like Boyle's Law of Gases. Does that spark anyone's interest? Laws of thermodynamics, laws of logic. Am I hitting all the good topics? There's these laws that got our life. And there's the law that there's action, there's a cause, and there's consequences to that action that's in proportion or directly related to that cause. So that's what we're talking about today. And Paul applies that, that we reap what we sow to our spiritual lives. But before we jump into that, I want us to look at where we're at in Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 6 if you haven't already. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. In the front of the pew, pew, not pew, in front of you is a Bible, which is new. The deacons have graciously um, made it happen where there's a new ESV Bible in the front. So if you don't have your Bible, open up there. I I was going to look at the page number. I don't remember what page it's at. But Galatians chapter 6. And this, you'll be sad, is the second to last message in Galatians. God willing, next week will be our last message. It's been a very short time in Galatians. That's kind of kind of funny. Whatever. We have one more uh, one more message, and then we're looking at the end. Next week, we're looking at the end where Paul kind of gives some last personal remarks, as you kind of expect in the letter. He kind of really concludes his conversation about the gospel and the false teachers. But our section today closes a section of Paul's letter or his argument that we've been at for a while, that kind of started in chapter 5, verse 13. But let me kind of give us a little working on what has gone through so far. So if you remember, I know you might get sick of me bringing this up, but remember, this is Paul. This is the region of Galatia, multiple churches kind of in the Mediterranean, kind of modern-day Turkey. That's where he's writing to. Paul, first mission journey, went through there. He shared the gospel. A lot of the people he's writing to, he was the one that led him to Christ. After he was there for a little bit, he left. And then soon after he left, these false teachers came in. And they were teaching falsely, hey, if you want to become a Christian and stay a Christian, you have to do it by works, specifically by keeping the Mosaic Law. Paul gets wind of this, and he's very upset, and he writes this letter. And we have seen he's got some really harsh things to say here to both the Galatians and to the false teachers, or about the false teachers. But we see through chapter 1 through chapter 4, Paul has not ending or not ceasing to say that this is the gospel. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And he's been nailing that. He's been arguing for it. He's been going back to Abraham. He talks about the role of the law, how it was never meant to, to give life or salvation. He's been running through that. He's given example after example. He's argued, he's defended his own apostleship. In order to defend the gospel, he's been going through all that. But he's been saying over and over, we are not saved by works. It's all God's doing. Then he transitioned into the section that we're closing today. In chapter 5, verse 13, he transitions. It kind of, okay, 
how do we then respond to this? Here's the gospel. That through Christ, he has paid it all. And we are free. We are not obligated to even obey because Jesus has paid it all. But then Paul responds or transitions. He says, okay, then how shall we respond? He talks about obedience. Verses 13 through 15 of chapter 5. I know I'm going through this, but I'm trying to give an overview here. He gives kind of five reasons, which we'll get to. But then chapters, uh, I'm sorry, verse 16 through 25. This was about two weeks ago. He tells us how we obey. That is, walk by the Spirit and not grab from the desires of the flesh. And then last week, which was chapter 5, verse 26 through chapter 6 through 5, was Paul, if you remember, take ownership of your own holiness and take ownership of your church family's holiness. He's referring to, okay, how do we help others in our church family obey? So he hit why obey, he hit how we obey, and he hit how do we help other people obey in our church family. So this whole section has been, okay, how do we respond to the, the amazing grace of the gospel? And he says, obey. And he's been going through that. And then our section today that Mike read, verse 6 through 10, he's kind of concluding it. It's the, it's the cap of that section about obedience. So let me hit a few things before we jump into that. First, why do we obey? Is kind of what we're hitting at. Why do we even ask that question? Number one, it's because of the gospel. That Christ alone, he, has, he was perfectly obedient. He had the perfect life, didn't sin. He was completely righteous. And he died. He took on sin and he rose again. And through faith, we receive his righteousness. So that when God the Father looks at us, he sees us as perfect as if we lived the perfect life that Jesus did. We are completely right. There's nothing on our account that we owe God nothing because Jesus paid it all. So that question of why obey is important because when Paul is sharing this gospel, it's an amazing gospel, the false teachers, no doubt, were saying, hey, to the Galatians, Paul is saying that God doesn't care how you live. But you should instead live legalistically to these works, the Mosaic law. So Paul responds to this like, no, 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 no. From this amazing gospel, we respond out of obedience. Are we following that? I'm trying to listen to myself. That wasn't very clear. Here we go. AJ is saying, yes, it is. Let's move on. Let me hit some reasons why we obey, and then we'll hit our capstone today. Sound good? Verses 13 through 15, where Paul transitions, and he gives us five reasons why we obey, if you remember this. Number one, he says, we obey out of a grateful response to God's grace. We see it in verse 13, for you are called to freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Therefore, we, we, we respond out of obedience because of that. We obey because we respond because of God's grace. Number two, he says, obeying our desires is slavery. He says in verse 13, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Why? He says in Romans, you are a slave to what you obey. Even for Christians, sin can have this enslaving effect, being addicted to whatever, whether that's uh, like even drugs or, or, or pornography. The sin has an enslaving effect even on Christians. And so we should obey God because obeying our, the sin enslaves us. Number three, he says, obeying is being a part of something bigger. He says, uh, verse 14, or sorry, end of 13, but through love serve one another. When we serve and love each other, we're edifying our church family members who then go out on a mission to, sh- to, to share the truth, to change the world by spreading the gospel. 
And so when we love one another, when we obey and love one another, we're a part of something bigger. And that's why we should obey. Number four in that section, happiness is in obeying God. Happiness is in obeying God. All throughout Scripture, God tells us we're blessed if we obey. We're blessed if we obey, which would make sense. Because if God is for our good and he loves us, his commands would be for our good. And it would make sense for us to follow those commands. The fifth point in that section, he ends it in verse uh, 15. He says, but watch out. He gives us this warning of disobedience. Like, hey, obey, because disobeying doesn't end up well. And he's not saying, we said there, he's not talking about punishment because Jesus Christ has taken our punishment. But he talks about that conflict between ourselves. That when we disobey, it hurts us. It has natural consequences that hurt us. It hurts our family. It hurts our church family. And it hurts our witness to our community. So that's why we should obey. And he hit that in that section. But if we continue, he said a lot of reasons why we should obey. Uh, last week, who did we talk about? Uzzah, right? The Uzzah, Uzzah, whatever. So if you remember Uzzah, we, I brought up last week, Israel was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into view, right? The Ark of the Covenant being the, the representation, a real aspect of God's glory and presence. And it was a national party. There was singing. There was dancing. And if you remember, the, the ox that were pulling the Ark stumbled and the, the Ark was falling down. And so Uzzah reached out, put it back on, and then God instantly executed him in front of everyone. Why? Because Uzzah sinned against God. Uzzah knew that the Kohathites, which was his family clan, you're not allowed to touch the holy things, being the ark. And God executed him. Uzzah thought that his hand was less desecrating than the mud underneath, which was wrong, because his hand was part of a man who was rebelling against God because of sin. And so we obey from that. We obey because sin is an offense to God and we love God, so we hate sin. And that's why we obey. Two more. Number one, I didn't, I didn't get this much last week. In our passage last week, if you look at chapter 6, um, where is it at here? End of verse 2, he says, uh, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill, fulfill the law of Christ. I brought this up briefly. And it's like, okay, Paul, this whole time you're telling us that we're not under the law. Because Christ, we, it's by faith alone, not by works, not by the law. Then why are you bringing up fulfilling the law of Christ? What does that make sense? Take a step back here. In the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the role of the law was not for salvation. Paul makes that very clear with Abraham. And then after Abraham, he says that was never the role of the law. It was never to give life. But it was to point to Christ. Another role of the law, follow with me here. It was to describe to Israel how they were to respond and live in the light of their relationship with God. It was laid out, God was laying out, this is how you should live in light of my relationship with you. That's why Paul, I'm not sorry, David in the Psalms can write stuff like, how I love your law, how it's better than life. Psalm 119, just over 100 verses over and over about how he loves God's law. And to us, we're like, are you kidding me? I've read Leviticus. That's some rough stuff. How can you love this, right? But what that meant was that law meant they had a relationship with God. And that's why David can say, I love the law, because that means I have a relationship with God. Because the law described how they were to respond to the relationship with God. Now, step back to verse 2 in chapter 6. Paul was saying, we fulfill the love of God when we bear one another's burdens. 
Because we're fulfilling how we're supposed to respond. Obedience. We fulfilled that, the law, how we're supposed to respond to our relationship with God by bearing one another's burdens, by loving. Following with me? Okay, last reason we've seen in this section for obedience was actually back with the works of the flesh. If you remember, at the end of it, after the list, verse uh, 21, he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's where I said a little input, like, hey, grammar is important. And so that word do means this, it's a continuance. Your life, if your life is characterized by the sin. Do we as Christians sin? Ask your spouse. Yes, we do. We sin, no question. But our lives are not characterized by the sin. It's broken. It's broken by repentance and faith. As we go, it's broken by confession. It's not characterized by the sin. Paul says here, those who don't have the Spirit are characterized by the sin and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So a reason why we obey is because we have the Spirit. It's because we have the Spirit and we respond to that relationship with obedience. And that brings us to our passage today. So the point of me doing that was just to look at again that Paul, telling about the gospel, we're saved by grace alone, not works, through faith alone, not works, and Christ alone, not works. And then he moved into our section that we've been in for the last couple of weeks, that how do we respond to this? We don't live in just indulgence in. There's so many reasons why we don't, but he lays out we obey. He talked about how we obey, he talked about why we obey, and he talked about how we help other people in our church family to obey. Then he comes to this last section, all right? We're finally at our passage. He gives us one more reason to obey. He caps it. And honestly, it's more of a, an elaboration on a reason he already gave. And that reason is this. Happiness is in obedience. Blessed blessings is in obedience. And the main idea of this passage is this. Obey Jesus because you will reap Rewards in this life or the next. Obey Jesus because you will, you will reap in this life and or the next. And we can break up this passage into three points, all right? Let's jump into it. Verse 6. This first point is this. It's kind of a, a preliminary point. And I say it by this. If you look at verse 6, he says this. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And so, remember, this whole section is about obedience. And so Paul's saying, share with the one who teaches you to obey. Share with the one who teaches you to obey. And that might seem weird, but if you look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, uh, if you're, you might know, memorize, know this by memory, but Jesus says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded. So this teaching obedience is exactly with what we're supposed to be doing. And Paul says, hey, Share all things with those that teach. And so Paul says, and uh, he says kind of the same thing in Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 9, this idea of supporting the teacher. And Thomas Schreiner, the reason to do this, Thomas Schreiner, he writes this, so that the teacher can invest the requisite time and energy for study and proclamation. And you might be like, okay, this is kind of out of place, Paul, and like kind of how you're going with this. How does this fit in? And the, a good reason why he might be highlighting this, the whole reason why Paul's writing this letter is because of false teaching. And so Paul's probably highlighting this like, hey, 
there's false teaching going on, and you should have a teacher there that's helping, that's teaching the truth. If you look at the very next verse, what does he say? What's the first phrase? Do not be deceived, right? We are all prone to be deceived. And so, and the Galatians are definitely deceived, as Paul says throughout his whole letter. So Paul, a good chance Paul is just highlighting this because of the role of teaching. And if you think of uh, the elders, when Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, or write to Titus, one of the main priorities was to hold fast to the truth. Do not let it be perverted. Hold fast to the truth. That's one of the main priorities. And so that's a good reason why Paul is bringing this up. It's, it's, as I said, it's kind of a preliminary point is to support those that teach you to obey because we are so prone to be deceived and there's false teachers everywhere as we saw earlier in chapter 5. So that's the first point, kind of a quick preliminary point in the passage. Here's the second point. Obey because you will reap what you sow. Obey Jesus because you'll reap what you sow. Verse 7, Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In this 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 term mocked, what it, it actually is, the, the picture is someone that goes like this. Like turning their nose up, right? Kind of like a, 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 like a scorn... Um, I, did anyone else get that from people, or is it just me that get that from people? <laughs> I'm sure we've all had it, and it, we know what it communicates. It communicates this smugness, like a, I know I'm better than you. Like I know I I know better than you. And that's what Paul's saying here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. How do we? How do you and I mock God? When we don't acknowledge the reality or the seriousness of our sin. To God, We mock God when we do not realize nor acknowledge the seriousness and the offense it is to God. We mock God, when we, as we saw in the last passage, when we do not receive the confrontation from our brothers and sisters in Christ who try to say, hey, like, hey, I've been seeing this. You might want to look at this and, and, and turn from this. When we don't receive that well, we're mocking God. We're not taking our holiness and obedience seriously as we looked at last week in the passage. So it says, that's how we mock God. But guess what Paul says? God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Our sin will have consequences. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But it will find you out. Your sin will find you out. And look at this. He's not talking about punishment. If you right now are trusting in Christ alone, you will never see God's punishment. Never. Because Jesus Christ paid it all. But he's talking about the natural consequences of sin. The way it hurts you, your family, our church family, and our witness to the world, that's what he's talking about. Not punishment, but the natural consequences of sin. We are not getting away with our sin. We are not getting away with our sin. Our sin will find us out. We see that all throughout Scripture. This happened to Lot. This happened to Isaac. This happened to Jacob. It happened to Moses. It happened to Samson. It happened to Eli. It happened to Samuel. It happened to Saul. It happened to David. It happened to Solomon. Their sin found them out. They reaped what they sow. They did it. And we should not be surprised when we do. So do not be deceived. When if we're sowing sin today, that tomorrow we reap the consequences. God is not mocked. 
And this is the, 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 the law of the soul and region. As we kind of brought up with the, the chickens, that we invest in this, we expect to reap this. Uh, you, you plant green peppers, you expect to get green peppers. And so Paul, God through Paul has shown us that this law of sowing and reaping not only applies to agriculture in the practical realm, but also applies in an aspect to our spiritual lives in the moral realm. If we attempt to mock God when we think that we'll reap somehow differently than we sow, don't be deceived, Paul says. But hallelujah, that this goes both ways. Verse 8. He says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So Paul says there's two choices. Either you sow to the flesh, which is our sinful nature, as we looked at last week, or we sow to the Spirit. Two choices, that's it. Exactly like we saw two weeks ago. Either we walk by the Spirit, by His strength, and by obeying His word, or we gratify the desires of our flesh. Two choices, one or the other. Sow to the flesh... Gratify the desires of our flesh or sow to the Spirit and walk by the Spirit, by His strength, by obeying His word. Two choices. And Paul says here, when you sow to the flesh, our sinful nature, you will reap corruption. And that word there is the picture of going from better to worse, like a rotting apple, right? I mean, you get the apple, it looks good, you'll eat it. Three days go by, yep, I'll still eat it. Four days go by, yep, I'll still eat it. A week goes by, the, the women are done eating it, the men are still going at it. Right? But then we push, we push it. It still looks good. At one point, you're like, all right, I'm done. This is done. Give it to the chickens, right? Hopefully, they'll lay eggs. But that's the corruption. Like the food in the refrigerator, right? Go in there, like leftovers. Okay, I can do this. You see a little mold. You mix it up. All right, it's not there. But it, it, gets from, it goes from better to worse. And that's the picture of corruption. If we sow to the flesh, we, we reap corruption. And this corruption is not ambiguous. Go back to your Bible, so chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. The works of the flesh, this reaping when we sow to our flesh, is not ambiguous. It leads to, it consists of, sowing the flesh consists of, and leads to immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and so much more. It leads to a lack of the fruit of the Spirit when we sow to the flesh. No joy, no peace, no love, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, no faithfulness, no gentleness, no self-control, and a lack of eternal rewards. That's what the reaping of the sowing of the flesh is. So he says, do not be deceived. You will reap the consequences if you sow to your sin. And if you look at that list, and the list of the deeds is saying, there's no way, there's no way I'd end up doing those things. I can get away with sowing this, but there's no way I'd end up doing anything on this list. Say that to the thousands of men and women. Say that to the many pastors, as we see um, through the news, who just fall from the faith. Say that to David, who stole a man's wife and then murdered her husband. Say that to him. Our sin, your sin, will always take you further than you want. Your sin will always take you further than you want. You sow sin, you will reap the consequences. But on the other hand, if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit. And this is eternal life, he says. You will reap eternal life. 
referring to a life eternal with God? Of course. But here in the context, it's referring to the quality as well. A lot of times eternal life is not only describing eternity, but the quality as well. And look at this. If you sow to the Spirit, like a gardener, you'll reap the fruit of the Spirit. And does this not describe a very high quality life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The joy and peace alone is like, yo, that's a very high quality life. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap from the spirit. Listen to this. This is from uh, Pastor McCarthy. He says, no sin, no sin can separate a Christian from eternal life. Absolutely not. Because Jesus Christ alone, that's how we are saved from our sin. That's how we're forgiven. But he goes on, but any sin in the Christian's life can corrupt his reflection and enjoyment of that eternal life. No sin can divide us from eternal life, can separate us from God, but any sin can corrupt the enjoyment and corruption. Or, uh, I'm sorry, the enjoyment and the reflection. Think of uh, David, Psalm 51. This is right after he took Bathsheba. This is right after he murdered her husband. And right after the prophet confronted him, he wrote Psalm 51. And in it, he says, restore, he doesn't say restore my salvation. He says, restore the joy of my salvation. Because when we sow to sin, we reap the consequences of sin. No sin can separate us from God if we're trusting in Christ. But any sin can corrupt that enjoyment and that reflection. So if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit. So if we want an enjoyable marriage, a godly marriage, we know exactly what we need to do. If we want a godly home, we know exactly what we need to, needs to happen. If we want to have spiritual growth of God working through us, we know exactly what we should be sowing. We know that. We reap what we sow. And so what are you sowing today? What are you planning on sowing tomorrow? Are we thinking on and meditating and mauling over God's word, uh, who God is, how, 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 in thankfulness and gratitude? Or are we thinking more about the next Facebook post, the next Snapchat, um, who the Vikings are going to draft soon? Is that what's consuming our thoughts? Are we ingesting good biblical teaching, uh, coming to church, uh, reading good books, listening to different sermons, podcasts? Or are we more consumed with the, the media, with movies? Nothing of that's bad, but we reap what we sow. What are we sowing today, tomorrow? So if we are sown to the flesh today, don't you dare be upset when we reap the consequences tomorrow. We know exactly what we're going to harvest because of what we're sowing. But if we sow it to the Spirit, if we're choosing every moment to walk by the Spirit, by His strength, by obeying His Word, we will reap the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says, and that brings us to our last point, third and last point, is persevere in obedience because you will reap. Persevere in obedience because you will reap. Verse 9, Paul writes, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And sowing and reaping implies a wait, right? You don't go outside uh, come spring 
throw down some seeds for peppers. Go inside and just like, oh, here we go, here we go. Wake up the next morning, run outside. Oh, you get, you don't get frustrated that there's no peppers or whatnot, right? Because you know it's going to take some time. And so sowing and reaping takes time. It implies a weight. In the same way, obeying, do not expect the reward right away. Don't expect the fruit of the Spirit right away even necessarily. It implies a weight. But Paul says, persevere in obedience because you will reap. It's a promise. And it takes trust. It takes trust in God. And honestly, this can become very difficult. When we see friends, we see family members who either aren't Christians or they are Christians and they're living in sin and they just seem to have a good life. I I put that for this, a good life. They're having it all, right? And that can be difficult because we're like, I am working hard to to follow God's ways and like, what is going on here? It can be very easy to be like, why even obey if this is what's happening? Paul says, persevere. And, And listen to this. This is from King David. In Psalm 37, he writes this. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. It is just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. And the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. There's a wait. So do not be discouraged, but wait and persevere in obedience because you will reap, God says. You will reap. So persevere and work hard at work. You might not get the, the congratulations you deserve from your boss or the thanks, but you will persevere. Persevere sacrificially loving your spouse. You might not get the thanks that you that you deserve, but you will reap. With your kids, continue to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Because you will reap. And it may not happen for 10 years, but God says you will reap. Paul says, he writes in 1 Corinthians at the end of 15, he writes this, Therefore, my blood brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. If you talk to anyone older than yourself, usually, and you get a good conversation going, you usually hear, especially with little kids, like, hey, take it all in because it goes fast, right? We hear that a lot, which I think is very wise. I think it's all over the Bible. One day, you're a graduate in high school. The next day, you're married and you have young kids. The next day, your kids are leaving. The next day, your spouse passes away. And it seems like the next day, you're looking at death yourself. It goes fast. And we hear that um, from a lot of older people, which is, I think, really wise. Um, but it's the same way in the sense of our lives that, hey, it's coming. The glories of heaven is right around the corner. Persevere in obeying. Do not grow weary. Do not give up. Continue. It's going to end. And it connects with verse 10. He says this. So then, we have, uh, as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of a household of faith. He says, so then, as we have opportunities, that doesn't primarily refer to, hey, as there's opportunities, he's saying it's more of a duration of time. As we have this time period that we can obey and do good in this life, he's referring to, let us do it. He's saying because we don't have much time. It's going to end fast. We don't have much opportunity. As we have this opportunity now, do good to other people. Obey, do good. As you see here, he says, primarily or especially to the household of faith. He says, primarily and the priority is our church family. That's who we are supposed to do good to and to, uh, to obey and walk by the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit of joy, peace, love, patience. He also says to everyone else, but he gives this special aspect of the church family, of the household of faith, he says. So persevere in obedience. Persevere in obedience because you will sow what you will reap, whether to the flesh and reap corruption or to the spirit and eternal life, that quality of eternal life. So let me bring this to a, a conclusion here. Obey Jesus because you will reap the benefits in this life and the next. Obey Jesus. And if you're looking back as a believer and looking back on this morning, this past week, this past month, this past season, this past year, and you're like, wow, I've been reaping a lot of corruption, and that's because I've been sowing a lot to my sin. But there's hope. Repent and choose to walk by the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit's strength in obedience to, to the Spirit's word. Repent and there's hope in Christ. Now, if this morning, if you've never, up to this point, have never repented and trusted in Christ, the whole message has been completely pointless and worthless because there's no amount of obedience that will make you right with God. And it's exactly Paul's main point in his letter is that it's nothing that you can do. Without Christ, there's nothing. No amount of works, nothing. You've sown sin, you're a sinner, and you will reap the consequences, which is hell that, that Jesus says, that Paul says, punishment, eternal punishment. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has sown perfect obedience, he's sown righteousness, and he's reaped eternal life. And through faith in him, we, even though we've sown sin, we can reap from his sown. And that's the good news of the gospel, that through faith in Christ, we can reap what we have not sown. What Jesus has sown, we can reap from that. We can reap eternal righteousness. And so, this morning, God through Paul says, Obey Jesus, because you will reap in this life or the next. Please pray with me. Father, uh, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us um, just kind of mindless or, or directionless. And what do we do now uh, that that I am trusting in Christ alone and I am saved and forgiven? What do I do now? But that you give us direction. Uh, and Lord, as we look at this, um, for for the for us Christians, Lord, help us as we look in our lives and see all the areas that we have been sowing to our flesh. We have been gratifying the desires of our flesh, our sinful nature. May we be renewed by the gospel that we are forgiven in Christ. It's already been paid. Lord, give us uh, uh, the strong compelling to continue and instead to turn to you and to walk by the Spirit. 
And Lord, may we, as we walk out today, this morning, may we have that skip in our step, knowing that we are free in Christ, that we are completely right with you because of our faith through Christ. And God, we ask this in your Son's name. Amen.